You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. No, 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 no. That's not the open for Tuesdays <laughs> oh. and Thursdays. Oh, we, need, we need something a little bit different, please. Here you go. How about yes. this? Let's try this on for size. You're listening to The Sports Fix. The Sports Fix with Kevin Sheehan and Tom Lavera. Now that's better. There we go, baby. <laughs> what a good day. What a happy day this is. We're back. <laughs> And, and we're ready to roll. We're back and better than ever, as the show before us used to say. Or yes. At least two shows before us. Two and a half years later, I'm back on the air with Tom Lavero. The Sports Fix revived. I'm not sure, Tommy, anybody wanted it, but who cares? Oh, we the, wanted it. The, the demand everywhere I went. <laughs> everywhere. You know, I was on vacation in Florida last, last January. And I had people stop me on the beach. On the beach. On the beach. And saying, when are you and Kevin getting back together? First of all, Tommy looks different. We're going to have to tweet out a picture of the two of us uh, recording this podcast. Tommy has new eyes. He's got new knees. New knees. What else new do you have? Uh, I can't talk about the one else that's new. (laughs) Hopefully that other new (laughs) is a little bit different in stature. Um, But your new eyes, you're not wearing glasses, so you look so different. And I've so worn different. glasses since I was 10 years old. Yeah, and the ones that you had, remember, were the ones where you would dip down a little bit, and then you would take the paper. This is my favorite thing, watching Tommy. We were, we were in the studio together doing a two-hour show in middays <laughs> on this station uh, up the street a little bit, 980, I think it is. We did it for seven and a half years together, and Tommy would take paper as he was reading it, and he would shove it right into his face now, so he could see it. That's now, 100% accurate, by It the way. is accurate. Now, that hasn't changed. Because what I got was cataract surgery. Uh, I had cataracts in both my eyes. The left eye was worse. And through laser surgery and, and, and scalpel, they put in a new lens. So I have a 2020 vision in my left eye. I'm going to have the right eye done later this month. But you have to decide what you want. Do you want to see far or do you want to see close? You can't do both. So most people opt for seeing far and just opt for reading glasses. Right. And that's what I'll be able to do. So I'll be able to get normal reading glasses instead of prescription glasses. But until that happens, for right now, I still have to hold something up to close to my two Mark, inches from my face. Don't you think he was a lot cuter with glasses? It's very fetching without the glasses. <laughs> uh, it's. I'm glad you're, you, you are healthy. You're getting around much better. I know that because... You know, after your first knee was done, we went and had lunch, and you were moving around, and you were you were so happy with it. Although the first one didn't go quite as well as the second one. Yeah, the first one was much harder to do. Right, to rehab. And the recovery was harder. The second one was much easier. And hey, look, I mean, not to pat myself on the back, but you I know doing do. a show with you, I, I'm the only <laughs> one who will be able to do it. Uh, I'm walking four miles every morning. Four miles? Yes. Where? Up in Frederick. Uh, around the neighborhood? Yes. Ar- around So around the complex? Yes. Around the home? Yes. Is that around what they call the it? Home. <laughs> around the home. Around greater Frederick, baby. Uh, well, you're good not for do- you. You're not doing like the walk around a mall. Oh, no. I am walking around the mall. I am oh, one of the mall walkers. No. When it rains, what am I supposed to do? I don't know. Can you imagine him like on the Jersey Shore in the summer walking up and down the boardwalk (laughs) eating cotton candy? You know what? With with a metal detector. (laughs) Exactly on the beach. Hold on, I got something. Liz, I found something over here. Um, all right, there. This is. Wait a minute. Well, go ahead. Before we get to your your list, I don't have a list. Oh, you always have a list. Well, I, ha- I ha- I'm a little bit organized for you today. Okay, I wanted to you know. I sp- I stayed up all night. I didn't get much sleep. I had to download 
a document to my phone, and it took all night to download because I've been keeping a list since we've been gone. Me too. Okay. And my list is a list of everything I was right about for the past two and a half years. I knew it! Because let me just tell you, look at my, you know what my list starts with? What? Day of reckoning for Tommy. (laughs) Because two things that you were just dead wrong on, and by the way, you owe me on. I'll get to your list in a second. Okay. But it starts with this. You and I had a bet, and this was shortly before the show ended. You said that the Redskins' name would be gone by the beginning of the 2017 season. And we bet you're right. You're dinner right. at the Palm or or a close equivalent. Yes, chatter. of that. So that was a winner for me. Yes, you're right. And then the second one had to do with all the fanboy Tiger Woods discussion about how he would never come back. He was finished. No, 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 no. Was it about a major? It was about winning a, a major? major. Okay, I'm I'm getting close on that yeah, one. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Keep it close. up. Let me hear your list. Okay, well, hang on a second. Yeah, because the document's still downloading. It's yeah. still down. You know what? I, I can't really tap into it right now. There's one thing I, I remember off the top of my head, what were and you it's right a about? big one. It's a big one. Uh, we picked uh, Redskins long shots to make the team a couple years ago, and you picked some obscure running back named <laughs> Pincus McCoy or <laughs> yeah, something that like that. Name. And I picked Matt Ioannidis, and you ridiculed me. Oh, I did. You I ridiculed did. I did. me. What was his nickname that you gave him? No, that was that was different. That was that was he wasn't a Pocono Punisher or anything like that. That wasn't a Pocono Punisher. That was a different guy. Uh, Matt Ioannidis, I knew because I saw him play at Temple because my son had went to Temple, so I knew a little bit about him. One of the two college football players I knew something about. So yeah, you gave him. You did. Um, that yes. was the one that you got right. Yes, <laughs> and Matt Ioannidis. Now I, you I'd grabbed like to... the hold of him, and you turned out to be dead right on. Let's, what's number two? Well, no, I, I, again, I'm having some problems yeah, here because there isn't much more. <laughs> That's probably not much more. Yeah, I'll, I'll have my staff uh, <laughs> compile it. Now I will say this: you and I, um, I, I think we were both right about Kirk Cousins. Yes. You know, much against the grain early on. I think I called it before you, anybody. Oh, you did. Absolutely. I called did. it before anybody that this guy was a starting quarterback in the NFL and it would be here or it would be somewhere else. But eventually, and why did I think that? And you used to always say this it's not because of what you know, it's because of what people who know what they're talking about say. Right. And who told us over and over again that this guy would be a legitimate top 10 sort of starting quarterback in the NFL was Mike Shanahan. Mike Shanahan. He told us over and over again, you know, early when Kirk wasn't even playing. Right. He said, this guy's going to be a starter. And, uh, I, but you, we both sort of were right on that one. I and am, part of that, part of why I gravitated to it is because, you know, after I had led the RG3 parade before he even took a... Oh, a how savvy he was. Be, be, before he even took a snap... When I said there'd be shock and awe in New Orleans, and I was right about that. (laughs) I sure was right about that. I felt so betrayed by the guy that he turned out to be that I was more than happy to jump on the Kirk Cousins bandwagon by that point. You were, I'll never forget you attending, we were, I think we were both there. It was the first rookie minicamp for for RG3, and it was in April or May. It would have been in May, right after the draft. And he's sitting there meeting with reporters, and the jets are flying overhead, flying into Dulles Airport. And he waits for the jets to fly over so that people can hear his oh, answers. Yes. And Tommy went nuts over oh. this. He said, 
oh my God, this guy is the savviest athlete I think we've ever seen. This is this is a home run, and it's going to work. And then he predicted shock and on. He was right about the game in New Orleans and the rookie season. But man, you, you, so you did ultimately feel betrayed. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because I believed, I believed in uh, Robert Griffin III, the character, the personality, and he turned out not to be that guy. Listen, part of why I was jumped on that shock and all before the first game is the Redskins players I talked to uh, during training camp. I had never heard them talk about a rookie like they talked about RG three. And I thought, Mike, this is something I've never heard before. Uh, this guy's going to be something special. And I think a lot of people were fooled. Uh, I, a the lot third of string were. quarterback now, I might want to point out, in, in Baltimore. He was inactive. Not second string, no, he third was, string. He was inactive. But, you know, Harbaugh said all the right things about him. And, you know, I, we would talk about this a lot on the show, about a lot of players that were young. And people would say to me, oh, you're just using youth as an excuse. It's not an excuse. It was always a reason that you have young people who take time to sort of figure it out. And there was always the possibility that this guy, maybe at 30 years old, would say, oh, my God, what an ass I behaved like at 22, 23, and 24 and maybe he has started to figure it out because Harbaugh, I don't think, would just give it out as charity. No. He's not a charitable no, I, guy. Look, I, I I think that there's a reasonable person would have gotten it by now. An intelligent person, I think he's intelligent. He is intelligent. So I, I think they would have they would have gotten the message by now and put away the victim card and, and realize that uh he needs to be in the right place at the right time to take advantage of an opportunity. And not you know be banging his not be leading his own parade anymore. I mean the the victim card is what uh, what really got played over and over again with him. Look, if it works out for him, great. He's on a roster that's more than I would have predicted a year ago. I thought he was done. I thought we were. I I honestly b- believe that by Super Bowl week 2019, the 30 for 30 on the RG3 story would be out, and it's going to have to wait at least a year. Yeah. It will have to wait, and he might wind up getting dealt at some point. Uh, you know, the, the Ravens. A lot of people think the Ravens kept him in part because they think he has trade value as, as well, in addition to being the, the third string quarterback. But you know what? Those quarterback drama days are gone here in Washington, right? They they are. They're over. I yes. mean, the new guy. There's no drama with. I still no, think there's no, a lot I of think, drama to come, but not a quarterback. No, not a quarterback. All right, let's get to the Redskins. Um, and we're this is really on Tuesdays and Thursdays on this podcast that I'm doing, which you can find, by the way, anywhere you can find a podcast, and at the website that is still a work in progress, I understand that, thekevinsheanshow.com. Um, we're presented by Window Nation, uh, our good friends Harley and Aaron at Window Nation. Um, and Tommy's going to be on, he's committed to being on with me on Tuesdays and Thursdays during this Monday through Friday show. Tommy's still doing his thing at 106.7 The Fan. You're on with Chad. I'm on with Chad on Dukes Wednesdays. on Wednesdays from 4 to 6. And I co-host a show with Andy Poland. Which I listen to every Saturday every morning. Every Saturday morning, 9 to 12. Right. So that's, and, and to hear Andy and Tommy do that show on Saturday morning, I know a lot of you have told me the same thing. You love 
the show. All right, let's get to the Redskins, all right, because I'm sure you're going to hit hit them with the aura of self-destruction, and it's coming soon. But I did this poll. I never do this poll, these polls on Twitter, Tommy, but I figured out how to do it yesterday. Yeah, I saw that. I was... <laughs> what? You were laughing that I did yes, a poll? Yes, yes, I was. So I did. I tweeted out this poll yesterday. It was a Redskins optimism check after one game. And the question I asked was, after the win over the Cardinals, um, knowing how many people got carried away with this win, the question was, did you feel like you were watching a playoff team when you were watching the Redskins destroy the Cardinals yesterday? And my answers were definitely yes, was, a, was one of the four answers. Pretty sure I was watching a playoff team. Can't decide. And no. And I've got, I think I'm, I'm, I'm up to like 1,600 votes on this poll, which means it was a pretty good question, even though you, you mock me. But guess what the leader was? Can't decide, 41%. Pretty sure 30%. No was 15%. And what came in dead last in this poll was definitely yes, which basically means people are definitely gun-shy about this team no matter what they see. Because Sunday was dominance. For an opener. Listen, uh, it depends on how you perceive the I question. The listen. I missed that. <laughs> but it depends on how you perceive the question. What we saw on Sunday was a playoff team. I mean, it really was. That team, they played like that. Uh, yeah, that's a playoff team. Now, what we don't know is the if the opponents will let them play like that. But there's no doubt. A team that can dominate like that on both sides of the ball uh, if they were, I mean, that, that was a playoff team we saw on Sunday, but we've seen playoff teams before. In other words, we've seen dominant performances by Jay Gruden's teams. I went back and looked at some of the, uh, the best games that Gruden has had. The Raiders game last year. The Raiders game. Uh, the, the Packers game. Right. A couple years ago. The Saints, they, they blew away the Saints at, at FedEx Field in 2015. 47-14. Yeah. So we've seen dominant performances before the 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 issue is consistency it's always been consistency with jay gruden's teams you know you don't get two or three or four weeks of play like that and that's what they've got to prove they've got to prove consistency in i think in 99 percent of the cases i would completely agree with you the only thing that gives me hesitation to think that maybe what we watch sunday has some legs is that I think this team really, if you were to evaluate it objectively, is actually the best team that Jay Gruden's had on paper. It's clearly the most talented defensive team he's had. Yes. And that's it's not even debatable if they're healthy. And, and I think they were headed towards a much improved defensive performance last year had John Allen and the Pocono Punisher, Matt Ioannidis. He's not the Pocono and, Punisher. And, and Matt Ioannidis, and, 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 I mean, and Mason Foster. If all those guys hadn't gone down, I think they would have been potentially in the hunt for a playoff spot anyway, even though the NF NFC was loaded last year, and 10-6 and six probably wouldn't have even done it last year. But I, Arizona is going to be a bad team, more likely than not, at least early. So they didn't beat a quality football team Sunday. They beat a team that's not prepared yet with a new head coach and a new quarterback. But I do believe that if they stay healthy, they're, this is the best team he's had on paper, talent-wise. I agree, particularly defensively. And, you know, up until the day before uh, the season started, uh, I was ready to go for nine and seven or ten and six, mainly because of their defense and in particular because of their front seven. I thought that their pass rush 
was going to be much better. I thought that they were younger, stronger, better, all across from Jonathan Allen, Matt Ioannidis, Tim Settles, uh, Deron Payne. I thought they were really strong there. I thought that Preston Smith going into a contract year uh, would have a good year because money's on the line for him. Kerrigan would have his Kerrigan year. So I thought if you have more – look, it, it's a pretty simple formula. You have more pressure from out front. You're going you're to harass the opposing quarterback. You're going to create more turnovers. You're going to get better field position for the offense. The one thing that's been a nightmare for the Redskins – for years now. Field position's field position. been horrible. But that's because they've had bad defense and yes. bad special teams. Yes, and I think that, that, that you know the defensive pressure w- will help change that. But in the when push came to shove and when I went when I went up to uh when I went up to uh Charlestown to the sports book, yeah, and I saw that the Redskins, it reminded me that the Redskins uh win loss total was six Se- and a six and a half. Six and a half, seven, yeah. Yeah. So the aura that, aura of that, that, that I said, what am I thinking? What? Who are these guys? What am I thinking? Aura, self-destruction, seven and nine. See, that's what, to me, has derailed the possibility of consistency. You know, this head coach, to me, is an average head coach. I think he's a very good offensive I agree. guy. But I think he's an average head coach. And then you take the front office and what it's been like in recent years. I mean, you and I missed out on so many opportunities to talk about so much dysfunction, <laughs> whether it was McLuhan or just the whole handling of Kirk Cousins, not not from a deciding not to sign him standpoint early when they could have, because I think that was a major mistake, but it was really the public relations handling of it, which was just so aura of self-destruction Redskins-like. Um, but I... When I looked at it, I'm like, they. this is not a bad roster. It's no. a loaded NFC, and the competitive landscape is going to be a problem for everybody in the NFC, but it's the best roster Jay Gruden's had, and if they stay healthy, which is an actual big thing in the NFL for those that try to you know, slough it off as you know, excuse-making, um, if they stay healthy, they, they, they're going to have a chance to win eight, nine, maybe ten games. I felt that way, too, but... Uh, after spending seven and a half years with you, and then really what happened here over the last two, two and a half years in a lot of different ways, I have become much more sort of critical or I, – I, I've the I'm, you know I'm a fan. You've you know see, I want what, them to win. Here's what happened. What you, happened? You've seen too much. I've seen too much. You've seen I too much horror. It. You've seen too much terror. It's been – it's like every time – you want to get excited about something like that Green Bay game that you refer yes. to on a Sunday night, and it's like they're going to Dallas for the biggest regular season game on Thanksgiving they've had in in years, and it's like this thing's trending up. They got to get the quarterback signed. They can't screw that up, and they'll get a defense and they'll add some players here in the next couple of years. It's trending up, and then the whole thing goes to hell in a hand bucket, and that's what usually happens with this franchise. But back to the. The, the question of whether or not we were watching a playoff team. You're right. We were watching a playoff team on Sunday. But with this franchise, with this head coach, nothing. Consistency is just never guaranteed. I did want to ask you a couple of questions, though. And it starts with the owner. Aren't you surprised that Jay Gruden got a fifth year? Forget about where we are today. After last year or even the year before, are you surprised Don't that you remember when here? it happened? It happened when the McLuhan stuff know, was gave, about to hit but, the fan. But that was sort and it of, yeah. probably happened after five bottles of wine in Indianapolis during the Combine. 
Yeah. That's probably when it happened. That's how they said, you know, they're really going to kill us on this McLuhan thing. People were finding out he's not even at the Combine. What are we going to do? Somebody at the table suggested, the Prince of Darkness maybe, Bruce <laughs> Allen, suggested, hey, let's, let's extend the coach. That'll be a good idea. They'll pay attention to that. I really do think in part, you know, somebody at that table thought it was a good time to do it, and they didn't have any other alternative. Uh, so why not? So I think part of the extension is, is just the Redskins' dif- dysfunction kicking in at, at that moment. It's like the McNabb phony baloney extension. Yes. Uh, after the, it's uh, part of their playbook. Yeah, after Shanahan uh, accused him of, of not knowing the and, playbook terminology and yes. being out of shape. But- and, and, and listen, I think he's a very good offensive coordinator. I think there's some question about, and there's, this has been questioned about Andy Reid, too his ability to call plays after the script is put away. You know, the 15 scripted plays that they do. Now, the Redskins have traditionally always opened the game pretty strong. You know, they march down the field. They usually score if they get the ball first. Uh, in the second half, the offense has not been as good, and it wasn't that good. Uh, uh, it, did, it didn't need to be. It didn't need to be, but yeah. it wasn't that good. So there's questions about his ability to get beyond the 15 plays as, as a play caller. My biggest question is ability to to be the CEO of the team and the whole team and to motivate them uh, or not just motivate them, but to prepare them to play. I mean, look at the last two season ending games against the Giants. The first one, they were playing a Giants team that 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 had already made the playoffs that was playing for nothing. The Redskins had the playoffs on the line and they got beat. To me, that's not as bad as last year when they went to New York. When they went to Jersey, the Meadowlands. Why do you care about last year's game? Well, because meaningless. because the Redskins made it a big deal. Jay Gruden said, yes, it's important to go 8-8. Eight and eight. They told us that we don't want to go 9-7. and seven. We want to go 8-8. Eight and eight. The so coach the- can say it's important to go 8-8 eight and eight all, all he wants. That, that game last year was meaningless. The game the year before is valid criticism because that team looked utterly unprepared for a team that had already clinched a playoff berth played the most vanilla game you've ever seen. They, yes. Remember, they started oh, yeah. Eli, and there was some talk about benching the starters, and the Giants, who could not run the football against anybody that year, jammed it down the Redskins' throat in the first half. And everybody will point to Kirk not playing well, and he didn't play well in that game, and he threw the back-breaking pick at the end. But Gruden didn't have that team ready. Like he hasn't had that team ready multiple times in big spots in season openers until Sunday. Yes. Although he had... He had sort of a, a lame team, you know, sitting there for the taking on Sunday in Arizona. Yeah, and if anything, it, it just goes to show again how utterly useless preseason results are because the Cardinals look like world beaters in preseason. They they had a defense that created seven, 17 turnovers in four preseason games, and the Redskins looked like they couldn't tackle anybody in preseason. You know, I've, I've adopted the philosophy – uh, the less you show in preseason as a team, the more you probably have. And maybe that's the case with the Redskins. Except that that wasn't the case the last few years. No, it hasn't been. It, no, it hasn't <laughs> been. Now, boy, that works always when it's convenient for you for it to work. All right, there are a few more things I want to get to with Tommy on the skins. Then, then I want to find out what happened to the Nationals this year. Tommy wrote a really good column uh, in this morning's Washington Times about Colin Kaepernick. We'll get to that, but... 
It's Kevin Sheehan here for Window Nation, and it's back to school time. And to help you get educated about Window Nation, they're offering instruction on supply and demand. Beat the fall rush. Window Nation has extra capacity now, so lock in the lowest pricing before the demand goes up. With Window Nation's back to school sale, you get one free window for every window you buy, wood or vinyl styles. Buy four, get four free. Buy eight, get eight free. There's no limit. Get an A plus in savings and receive 0% interest for free. Five full years. That's like a free ride until 2023. Use it towards your kids, books, clothes, backpacks, shoes, and even treat yourself. It's smart to go with Window Nation. When it comes to windows, they're first in class. Now it's your turn to go to the head of the class. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. Get one free window for every one you buy. Buy four, get four free. There's no limit. Plus, receive 0% interest until 2023. That's five full years. Do a little homework today. Get your windows installed before the cold arrives and save big during Window Nation's back-to-school sale. Call today, 866-90-NATION, or visit windownation.com. That's 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. Tell them Kevin sent you. Um, Tommy's here. It's a Sports Fix Tuesday. I think that's what we call it. A Sports Fix Tuesday or Sports Fix, Thur- uh, Sports Fix Thursday. Do you have that open again? Oh, you want the yeah, I want to hear it again for old time's sake. Absolutely. You're listening to The Sports Fix. The Sports Fix with Kevin Sheehan and Tom Levero. So I was searching you know, around. I, I want you to know that, and, and I wasn't going to tell you this, but uh, I would listen to that every night before I went to bed the first six months <laughs> that you, you, you cut me loose. Stop and, it. And, and, Stop it. That's and, not true. And, and I would, yeah, that is I, not true. And I would cry in my pillow every night. Listen and tell that. people right now that that's Cut not both true because they'll believe you. Remember, he, he remember, yes. remember the meeting. Oh, he yes. looked at both of us. He said, "Tonight's not your night, kid." No, yeah, no. Got you rid know, of both of us at the same time. For, that's said, not take, that's not true. Leave and, the gun. Take and, the cannolis. They said. He said. <laughs> yeah, but the cannolis were good. Um, that's not true, and you both know that it's not true. And the three of us together had so much fun. Doing that show, which by the way was a two-hour show, try a four-hour show on for size. <laughs> um, uh, but it was so much fun for so long. And Tommy and I really have. How many times have we talked about over the last two years? One of these days. One of these days, we're going to do something <laughs> together again. And we are. Yes, now. we are. And who knows? Maybe this will lead to something hopefully bigger and even better. Because this podcast world, you've been in it for a while. Yes, with I cigars have. Cigars and curveballs. Yes, I have. I and it's have it's rough. It, it's it's a rough it's a rough world <laughs> out there. It's a rough go. Yes, it is. I'm just learning. We'll see. We'll see how this goes. All right. I want to get to the Nationals, who got rained out again last night. A bizarre uh, rain out. You you, you follow that? Give right? me the details. I was following it on Twitter. I was watching the football game. What was the deal in Philadelphia? What did they do? Well, as I understand it, uh, it rained up there all weekend. And nobody covered the field. Whoops. Somebody forget to cover the field. So by the time they got to there yesterday, the field was soaked. The ground was soaked. And it got to the point where they brought out blow torches to try to dry the, dry the ground. Starting when? Right before the game last yes. night? Yes. Like they didn't know that the tarp wasn't on the field over no. the weekend? No. So, so they brought out these blow torches and these flamethrowers, basically, to try to dry the field off. Uh, and it didn't work. So they, even though it, they could have played last night if the field had been playable, they didn't. Now they're having to play a doubleheader today, and who knows what the forecast is going to be like in Philly today. And look, you and I have talked about this before the show. Sports on the East Coast is about to face a nightmare scenario with, with the 
the hurricane coming, it could upset a lot of plans. It's gonna well, it's really gonna potentially impact college football uh, on Saturday. Hold on for a second. Was there any benefit to Philadelphia, who is in a playoff race, right. in a pennant race? Was there any benefit to that game being rained out last night for them, pitching wise, matchups, no. anything? No. No. Okay. Not at not not at at this stage. Okay. Um. So so let's talk Nats. Well, okay. We'll we'll circle back to the Skins because I had a few additional things on the Redskins. Um, you were a Dusty guy. I think you probably had Dusty Baker on your podcast like 15 times <laughs> because every time you teased your podcast, it was like Dusty Baker's back <laughs> on again. Um, and I know how much you liked Dusty Baker, and I know how much you like Mike Rizzo as well. What happened to them this year? Well, first of all, you know, whether Dave Martinez is a good manager or not and whether or not they should have let Dusty go, those are two separate issues. I mean, Mike Rizzo did not want to let Dusty go. He wanted to, he wanted to bring Dusty back for one more year. He recognized the value that Dusty had in that clubhouse, the foolishness of cutting loose a guy who, whose team won 97 games and whose players let him down in the playoffs as much as anything, but the learners overruled him. The learners said, no, we're, we're, we don't want him. We, we, we don't. You see, the learners don't value managers. So they thought they could, you know, just plug a new one in. Well, they would they would have taken Bud Black for, on the cheap, yeah. right? That was the selection before Dusty. Yes, yes, but Bud Black was so insulted by by their right. low ball offer, he told him to take a hike. Uh, so they hired Dave Martinez, but by the time they got into the managerial search, you know, it was too late to to get guys like Alex Cora, who's a rookie manager who's done a great job in in Boston, or Aaron Boone. His, his father is in the front office, Bob Boone. I've been saying for years that Aaron Boone would make a great manager if you're going to take a chance on a first-year guy, and he gets hired by the Yankees. So it took almost 10 days after the season before they actually cut Dusty loose. And that, that messed up a lot of things, plus it was unfair to Dusty. Uh, Dave Martinez has made some rookie mistakes, and most of them are with the bullpen. I can count on one finger the number of managers I've been told by relief pitchers who know how to handle a bullpen, and that's Davey Johnson. It's the only one. Most managers screw them up. Dave Martinez screwed it up early, you know, getting guys up and then sitting them down, uh, leaving starters in too long because he was worried about using his bullpen, which he felt like he couldn't trust. But in that clubhouse, unlike Matt Williams, Dave Martinez still has a lot of respect. He does. And he still he has not even come close to losing the clubhouse. That's what everybody was saying. And I remember I, we had um, Cooley and I had Chelsea James on, I don't know, a month and a half ago. And she said, the reason I still think they've got a chance to make a run is there's no turmoil. Like, the, the, the clubhouse is fine. The players still like Dave Martinez and they believe in him. Even though there was that one story by... The USA Today guy, Nightingale, Bob right? Nightingale. who said that there were some issues and some questioning of Dave Martinez's handling of the bullpen. That was in June. Right. Well, that listen, was still early in the, that, in the season. Nobody complains more in, on a team than, than relief pitchers. They whine all the time about everything. So every relief pitcher thinks he's being used wrong. And they may have been legitimate complaints. But, you know, at, as far as a corner of the clubhouse complaining, relief pitchers are always going to do that. And here's the other thing the Nationals are dealing with from the national media, they're, they might be the most hated team in all baseball. Why? Well, for one, well, first of all, it starts with the learner ownership, and it goes way back to the beginning of the learner's ownership 
when they used to nickel and dime their scouts on expenses right. when they first took over. Before well, this they is their out, MO in every business they've been involved in. Right. And then, you know, there was the Strasburg shutdown, which most of baseball thought right. was, 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 was like committing a, a mortal sin. You, you thought it was the right call. Yeah, but, but still, most of, I mean, there, there's still a, a hangover over that. And then the way they treated Dusty. In, inside baseball, now, people not only didn't like it because they liked Dusty, they, they thought it was disrespectful and they thought it was foolish. So, I mean, you've got that combination of things going on where basically the rest of the baseball world is rooting for the Nationals to fail. And, and they are. I've got, uh, I've got three, uh, four follow-up questions for Tom Lavero, who is here on the podcast, and he's going to be here every Tuesday and Thursday, as we call it, Sports Fix Tuesday, Sports Fix Thursday. <laughs> um, why didn't the learners listen to Rizzo? I know you told me this last year, right after Dusty was uh, was fired and, and they started their managerial search, that Rizzo didn't want it to happen. Rizzo's been a competent, if not a lot more than competent GM. Why didn't they listen to him? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I mean, it's not the first time that they haven't listened to him on the managing job he wanted to bring Davey Johnson back Davey Johnson was here for two years 2012 2013 he initially wanted to bring Davey Johnson back the learners didn't want to in part because they didn't want to pay Davey Davey made four million dollars in 2013 that's two million more than any manager has ever made in the season for the learners but they didn't want to pay him any more after that so they didn't want to bring Davey back so I mean then he wound up hiring Matt Williams uh, and even before that, before Matt Williams, uh, Mike Rizzo wanted to actually seriously consider the idea of hiring Cal Ripken. But the learners didn't want to do that either. For one, they didn't want to pay him. And the second thing is... The Orioles least, dispute. Uh, no, no. The second thing was they, they told uh, Ripken that, how would we fire you? If we hired you, how could we fire you? Which I think is it, it makes sense on some levels, but it's kind of boy, that's optimistic. Yeah, kind of gutless. It's a great way to go into a relationship. So, yeah, how so, can I date you? Because how am I going to break up yeah, with you? That's basically it. So they've 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 turned away from Rizzle before when it comes to managing uh, choices. So it's it's not surprising that that's that's what they do. But they did extend Rizzo, and there was some question at, at, at some point during the offseason as to whether or not they would do that. And one of the things I thought during the offseason is, why would Mike Rizzo want to stay here? Is, wouldn't he be sought after for an available job for much better money? Like, why didn't that evolve? Why didn't Mike Rizzo say, you know what, you're taking your sweet time to extend me. You're not going to pay me market value anyway, potentially, why wasn't there a big market for Mike Rizzo? Why didn't people come after him? Well, I mean, available jobs where? Like in Chicago? where, where uh, No, th- that would be the answer because yeah. there weren't a lot of available yeah, jobs. Yeah, available good jobs. Okay. I mean, you know, he's not, go- not going to go do a rebuild when he's built this organization from scratch, basically. And I think that's part of what's going on is he has this organization the way he wants it, except for the owners. Uh but everything from him down, he has his people in charge. He likes the way it works. No, it's if you build something, do you want to walk away from it? Something that's been successful, that's got your fingerprints all over it. You mean like the sports fix? Yes, something like that, that you ran away from, that, that, that you sprinted away <laughs> no, from. No, I did not. Okay. So, I mean, so I think that's part of it. And part of it is he likes Washington, D.C. He does like D.C. He does. He likes living here. Would it have been different with Dusty this year? I think it might have been. 
I just think it might have been. It's, it's hard not to say it, it wouldn't be because everywhere Dusty has been, he's won. And everywhere he's left after, he, after he's been dismissed, they've lost. So uh, I think it would have been different. But I think, look, I like Dave Martinez a lot, and I think he's going to be a good manager. And I've had him on my podcast too, by the way. So I'm not playing favorites for Dusty here. The only manager I have not had, Nat's manager, actually was Frank Robinson and Matt Williams. I had the rest of them all on the podcast. Uh, And Dave Martinez is going to be back unless they they just go on like a 15-game losing streak, uh, you know, to end the season. Uh, He doesn't cost much, less than a million a year. But the learners hate paying managers, period, let alone paying managers not to manage. And they'd have to pay him for another two years. You know Dusty well. Is he enjoying this? I think he feels validated. I think Dusty Dusty always feels like he doesn't get the credit that he deserves. And he's right. He doesn't. There, there's, there's a lot of geeks out there who think they're managers sitting in their basement while they're eating their mother's meatloaf who think that Dusty <laughs> Baker's not a good manager. Right. And, hey, and, Bob, Bob, yeah. The meatloaf. And they couldn't be more wrong. I mean, you know, I mean, look. The two most important things are managing the clubhouse and managing a bullpen. Most managers can't manage a bullpen, and Dusty was great when it came clubhouse. to managing the clubhouse. Now, Dave Martinez is good at it, too. He's not Matt Williams, who let the team get away right. from him. Uh, what will be interesting, and it will be a storyline, is what happens in spring training next year. Because the, the club Davey, in spring training this year, everything was going laid to back. movies. Yeah, yeah, you know, bringing in the camels. Right, oh, everything that, was fun. Boy, that was funny in, in yes. March. Yes, it's hysterical. Now there'll be pressure to to be a hard ass now. Come spring training uh, next year, I'll be real curious how that plays out because you know, in management, no matter what you manage, if you start out as the nice guy, it's hard to turn it on again. It's easier to go from hard guy oh, yeah. to nice guy right. than the other way around. Um, do you think they bailed on the season too early? I would argue yes. I would argue yes because they were, you know, they were, they have enough talent that they've always they been could have made ins- a run. Yes, yeah, they did. They I, actually still could, but it, you know, uh, it it'd be pretty hard. Well, they have although Atlanta. they took a doubleheader from the Cubs the other day. Yeah, and they have three games against Atlanta coming up, and these games with Philadelphia. If they were to make a big run here over the next week, and all of a sudden they're only four and a half or five back, who knows? Yeah, but I, I think they bailed way too early. I, think I that, can't look, stand at seven and a half back thinking you have no chance. I mean, and that's the, then another thing: the the geek world out there, these these these. These idiots who sit in front of their computers and actually think they know baseball are saying with, with Name them. five and a half games out at the trading deadline, you got to trade everybody. Right. You got to get prospects. Yeah, I think prospects are like gold bullion. You know, like everyone's going to wind up being, you know, Bryce Harper. You got five and a half out and you're going to raise the white flag? What a gutless fan base I th- it is. I, I totally agree with you on Absolutely. that. I, I couldn't believe all the talk about trading all away the pieces um, before the trade d- deadline. Although now, after they started trading them after the trade d- deadline, it would have probably been smarter to do it before. One last uh, question on the Nationals. Is Harper back next year or not? I haven't heard your recent opinion on this. I don't think so. I don't see the learners paying him. Uh, I think he's going to go into free agency. Uh, what what would be curious, though, is interesting. Here's a scenario. Uh, you know, they look like they've got their outfield for the next four or five years sewn up. 
mean, Juan Soto has been a tremendous surprise for them yeah. coming through so early. Victor Robles is back and healthy now. Those guys are under control for the next six years. That's, that's, that's two-thirds of your outfield right there. And Adam Eaton, who's turned out to be a very good player, very valuable player, is under control for the next four years. So they have potentially a cheap, valuable, good outfield for the next four years or so. But what they need is starting pitching desperately. And there's not a lot of great free agent starters on the market next year, which means they may have to trade for one. And if you could then, if, if you can sign Bryce Harper and trade Victor Robles, which a guy that everybody would want, right. then you might be able to get a quality starter. They need another quality starter next year, and there's no obvious free agents that fit that bill. All right, and that's uh, the one other thing I want to say. Yes, they weren't sellers at the trading deadline, but what's interesting is they weren't buyers either. They didn't make if they if they made a pitch for Cole Hamels or J. A. Happ, nobody knows about it. They lost out on him. I don't know if they did. And what we don't know is what's happened before. If the learners told Rizzo, you can't add any payroll at the trading deadline because that's happened before. Uh, it has. I mean, all all roads lead back to man. The learners are cheap. And they have been since the day they arrived. With that said, but they pay players. They pay so. players. Yes, they, they paid do. Worth and they paid yes, other players. They paid Scherzer. But they, they, they seem to pay Scott Boris players. Yeah, that's the guy who should go in the Ring of Honor. Yeah, that's Scott the guy. Boris. All right. Uh, By the look, way, I have it in good authority. They did try to trade for Khalil Mack, but they didn't have enough draft picks <laughs> to make that work. Yeah. Uh, what a wrecking crew he was in his first game. Yes. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit Monday Night Football here shortly, but I did this segment with you. Sort of, and I did it the last two years where I, you know me, my, my clock management and coaching blunder thing. Yes. It's time for this week's coaching blunders of the week. You're listening to The Sports Fix. <laughs> the Sports Fix with Kevin Sheehan and Tom Levero. <laughs> Just play the Sports Fix thing over and over again. Clock management gaffes. Missed opportunities. It's Coach Sheehan's Blunders of the Week. I love it. Coach Sheehan. Um, thanks, Doc. Uh... So there were several in the NFL this week. Bill O'Brien, the head coach of the Houston Texans, did you read about this or not about what happened at the end of the first half? Because he was questioned by some chesty reporters afterwards about the clock management and calling timeouts at the end of the half and if he blew it or not. And he said, well, that's not my responsibility. <laughs> he said that after the did game. He really? And then yesterday he came back and said, well, that is that's sort the very of my definition of his responsibility. What happened was in a 14 to six New England lead game over Houston in Foxborough towards the end of the first half, Brady hits Gronkowski down the seam for a ball that clearly, I think if it had been reviewed, would have been ruled an incomplete pass. It was close. It was ruled a catch on the field. And in the final two minutes, it is the job of the booth to buzz down to the referees to say, hey, we got to look at that play on replay. Right. But the Patriots, being the Patriots, hurried up to the line of scrimmage quickly as the clock was winding down in the first half. They got the snap off, and the play was never reviewed. So the question to Bill O'Brien in the press conference afterwards was, when you saw it wasn't going to get buzzed, why didn't you use a timeout? It was a 30-yard-plus gain that put the Patriots into field goal range in a 14-6 to game. And just as a side note real quickly, Houston's defense is going to be really good this year. Uh, it was really good two years ago. 
it's going to be really good again this year. They are, when they're healthy with J.J. Watt, Merciless, and that whole gang, they're a really good defense. Anyway, uh, I digress. Back to what happened. So Bill O'Brien made the comment after the game, it's, that's not my job to call that timeout. And what he was really referring to was it's the job of the booth yeah. in the final two minutes to get a replay in, but they didn't. If he had called timeout, it would have given the booth more time to look at it and say, hey, we got to go back and overturn this last play and put the ball back 30 yards into New England territory. He didn't do it. The Patriots went on to score a touchdown and pretty much put the game away at halftime, 21-6. to Now, they came back and they made it a, a one-touchdown game in the final minute of the game. Um, but that was a coaching blunder. Bill O'Brien should have seen as the Patriots were hurrying up seeing that the booth was not going to review the play, there was no risk at that point for him to use a timeout on defense. It wasn't going to save New England any time. They were going quickly. They were going to snap it quickly. If he calls the timeout there, they go to replay, and the play potentially is overturned, and it's a really good move you know, uh, by him. An- another guy from the Bill Belichick coaching tree who hasn't really done that well. I mean, the Belichick coaching tree has... has has basically been, you know, a a bush without leaves. Yeah, but the Parcells coaching tree with with Belichick and Coughlin and Payton yes, has done very well. Has done very well. Um, I'm not actually. I don't mind Bill O'Brien. I know a lot of people that don't think he's very good. I actually, you know, that team's been in the playoffs without a quarterback multiple times over the last few years. Deshaun Watson had a rough outing in his first game uh, after you know blowing out his knee last year. I think that team's got a chance to be a good team this year. Um, a couple of other sort of coaching blunders uh, for the week. Seattle was playing Denver out at Mile High, um, and this was late in the first half. In a 17-10 game, Denver was leading the game. Uh, Seattle's driving Tommy about 40 seconds to go in the first half. They're near midfield, and Russell Wilson trying to make a play gets sacked for minus 22 yards. I mean, that's a big sack. Yes. All the way back to the 18-yard line. And there are 30 seconds left when the clock, when the play ended. Um, it's third and 23, I think, at that point for Seattle. And Seattle did the right thing, which is we're not going to run another play here. We'll see if Denver uses a timeout. Yeah. Um, because we're, we just took a big loss, and now our chances of actually scoring have diminished. And Vance Joseph, the head coach of the Broncos, that's his name, right? Yes. Vance Joseph. Yes, it is. He just let 30 seconds run off the clock. That drives you nuts, doesn't it? Drives me and nuts. And coaches do it all the time. All the time. Jay Gruden has done it lots of times. Jay Gruden's done it all, uh, done a lot of things. Yes. A lot of times. <laughs> but how you let, when you've got third and 23 and you've got the team backed up to uh, inside their own 20-yard line, 30 seconds go off the clock at the end of the half. If they call a timeout there, all right, and they run a third and 23 play, they had another timeout after that call timeout, they force them to punt from their own five-yard line. Plenty of time. By the way, it's Mile High Stadium. You get, you know, you fair catch the ball at the forty. You one completion, and you kick, kick a long field goal. You can kick long field goals. So let me ask you out there. What what's the possibility? Since a lot of coaches fall, that somebody will hire me to do this? No, no, I I, I I know that. You know, all they got to do is listen to you, and and, and that that's a done deal. <laughs> but what's the possibility that these coaches can't wait to get into the locker room at halftime to to do their new plays for the second half? To and they draw ju- them up? Yeah, and they just don't want to be bothered with the last 30 seconds of the half. I, I, you know what? When it comes to 
managing the clock as a head coach or whomever has the responsibility. Your number one goal should be to use your timeouts and use the clock to increase the number of plays and possessions you have in the game. Because the more plays you have, the more possessions you have, the more chances you have to score. And I, I Tommy, 75% of the teams in the NFL don't understand that simple concept, which is why they fail in a position like that. Denver won the game. Yes. You know, so nobody's going to blame Vance Joseph for anything. They won the game, but they missed out on an opportunity to have a chance for at least a field goal attempt at the end of the first half. That's another possession and another scoring opportunity that he just said, let's let the clock run out and let's go in because I've got some plays yeah, I want to draw. I just think they can't wait to get in the locker room. <laughs> exactly. Um, there were a couple of others. Nothing major. Minnesota in Kirk's debut, he looked good. Yes, he did. He looked really good. Yes, he did. If you haven't seen any of Kirk's highlights, he threw two beautiful touchdown passes, one to Diggs, one to Rudolph. Um, they put the uh, they, they took the, the foot off the pedal, Zimmer did in the second half. So Kirk was like at one point, he was 20 of 28 or something for 244 yards, and then they stopped throwing it in, in the fourth quarter with the lead. Um, but at the end of the first half, oh, one other quick thing about Minnesota, their offensive line's a major problem right now. They've lost some starters, and it is a sieve. He's being bum-rushed on every single play. I don't know how good the 49er defense is, but they got pressure on almost every throw in that game. Um, but towards the end of the first half, Minnesota, with the lead in the game at the time, had the ball at the San Francisco 40-yard line with plenty of time, 40 seconds to go. So if you're at the end of a half with 40 seconds to go and you've got the ball at the other team's 40-yard line, first of all, you, you should be thinking touchdown. You're, you're going to get in field goal range more times than not, but you should be thinking aggressively touchdown. Well, on the next play, they threw a little screen because he got rushed real quickly. It was a check down. It wasn't a screen to Dalvin Cook, who, who then proceeded to run backwards. Yeah. And they lost seven yards on the play. The play ended with 28 seconds left, um, and they just let the clock run. Again. They went hurry up, they, they but wanted, they let the clock let's get run. In that locker room. And they took a snap, um, at, you know, with seven seconds left, and it was an incomplete pass. It left them with like six seconds left. They had to throw a hail mary. You got to take the timeout right away. You. You can control how fast you can go offensively with 28 seconds to go based on circumstance. They should have called the timeout with 28 seconds to go. They would have be able to they would have been able to run one, two, or three plays to get the ball into field goal range. So that was a bad clock management uh, blunder as well. Overall, I think the Seattle thing was the most frustrating thing, watching Vance Joseph just stand on the sideline completely clueless, happy his defense had sacked Russell Wilson for a 22-yard loss, and he just let a field goal opportunity basically wind out. 30 seconds just wound, he wound off the clock. He's sitting there thinking, ice cream. Got to get that halftime ice cream. It's waiting for us in, in the locker room. And so this will be, uh, trust me, there will be worse as we go through the season. Um, and please go ahead and tweet me, at Kevin S. DC. Actually, it's not, a, it's at Kevin Sheehan DC now. I'm sorry. My new Twitter handle is at Kevin Sheehan DC. It's not at Kevin S. 980 anymore. But the great thing is if you go to at Kevin S. 980, it just goes to Kevin S. DC, right? How do I know? I don't know. You were much better at that stuff yes. than I was. Uh, Tommy's got some thoughts on Colin Kaepernick. We're going to get to that. I wanted to get to some Monday Night Football talk from last night. 
Sam Darnold on his first yeah. throw as a professional quarterback was picked off as he threw across the field, which is a no-no, got returned for a touchdown. His first NFL throws a pick six. And then he came back, and I thought watching – did you watch the Jet Lion game last I night? I watched a lot of it. I thought he looked great. Fabulous. I thought he looked so good. Meantime, Matt Stafford threw four interceptions and got the snot beat out of him all night long by the Jet defense, which Todd Bowles, I I got into an argument with my other show host of the last two and a half years um, over and over again about Todd Bowles. I said, if he became available and they fired Jay Gruden, I would hire Todd Bowles. And I would definitely hire Todd Bowles to be the defensive coordinator here if the Jets fired him. They were smart enough to keep him. He's a good coach. Yes. He's a good coach, and they haven't had players. And now all of a sudden, they're starting to build players. And if they have the quarterback in Darnold, the Jets could be one of those surprise teams. I mean, it's a rookie quarterback situation. And listen, they're playing, they're playing in the division with New England. Which never works out well for anybody, no. except in when it has, it's been the Jets who have been their primary yes. competitor, but that was more um, under sort of Rex Ryan in those years. But I, watching Sam Darnold bounce back from that in his rookie first game as an NFL quarterback, I thought was really impressive. I thought he and the Jets in a game on the road against a Detroit team that's fairly talented really looked good last night. I mean, but poor Detroit. If you're a Detroit Lions fan, you haven't won in 60 years. I mean, in 1957, I think, was the last time they won. I mean, and they, they haven't even gotten a sniff, hardly anything. And I'm sure they thought with Matt Stafford being their quarterback, they were going to have, you know, this, this era of excellence. They have talent on that team. And it's Matt Patricia's first game. Yes. 0-7, all of the first-year head coaches. Yes. 0-7 in week one. Another Inclu- Belichick coaching tree guy. And including both last night with John Gruden and Matt Patricia in their first games. Um, yeah, did, uh, Detroit's been one of those teams under Matt Stafford. I like Matt Stafford. I've always – I remember uh, we, we, we've had this debate before, either you and I or me, me and others, Cooley, about Stafford or Cousins. And I always said, as much as I love Kirk Cousins, I would have taken Matt Stafford. To me, he was much more of a gamer, like more of a competitor. Um, you know I, what's interesting about that division? I, they got to be the highest paid quarterback division in 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 football. I mean, be between Matt Stafford, well, Cousins and Rodgers. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of money being paid for quarterbacks in, in, in three of those teams. Uh, th- anyway, Darnold's performance was great, and then last night the Raiders fell apart in the second half against a team that looks like you know on paper the Rams could be an NFC championship contender I, under Sean McVay. I think they are absolutely the NFC championship contender. All right, um, you wrote a column about Colin Kaepernick. You want to just basically summarize what you wrote? Well, it's in the Washington Times. Tommy, of course, still writes a column with the Washington Times. Three times and a week, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. on WJFK 106.7 The Fan with Chad on Wednesdays and with Andy on the Saturday morning show. Well, basically, it was a reaction to the Nike deal, and I, I wondered if uh, Nike would be marketing a set of Colin Kaepernick Cop pig socks, basically. The socks that he wore a couple years ago at its 49ers practice that depicted cops as pigs. See, this is a moment nobody wants to remember, a moment that people would like to separate from the national anthem debate and the kneeling, is that he, he and he basically tried to defend it later on on Instagram. He said he was only talking about bad cops. You know, but, but I mean, that was, that was a step too far. I mean, that's basically a slur 
to the whole profession of police officers and, and a totally different issue than kneeling for the national anthem. And they just assumed that would go away. You know, but it but it, it's there for everyone to see. And to me, it kind of uh, captures the the hypocrisy and the confusion of the national anthem debate. Uh, my whole point was the zealots on both sides uh, have been unfair to each other. Uh, the players who are kneeling during a national anthem are not trying to disrespect the anthem. They're trying to protest. What you have to you'd be blind not to see. Is, is a police brutality issue for people of color and also a criminal justice issue. But you'd have to be deaf not to hear the people who are, some of the people who are offended by it by saying, yeah, I know, but the flag and the anthem means something different to me. It means something personal to me, something personal to somebody in my family. And not everybody who is against the protest is a racist, just like not everybody who is doing the protest is a traitor. You know, and I just think they picked the wrong issue to try to get the message across because it means different things to different people. And here we are, two years into it, more than half the country is still offended by it. And what do people do? They get mad if you if, if that their message isn't getting across. In the communications business, if your message is not being heard, then you're the problem, not not the audience. And that's basically what happened here. And another thing I don't get, which I didn't bring up in the column. These guys, every week in NFL locker rooms, you have reporters walking around with notebooks and microphones just begging for somebody to talk to them. Why don't these guys go off during the week? Why don't these guys in every city, you know, have a guy give, you know, give his, give his spiel about what, what's, wrong with this, what's wrong with the criminal justice system in this country? And newspapers will write it. People will put it on the radio. They have access to media every week, and you never hear a peep. From any of them. It would be more impactful yes. to do that rather yes. than during an anthem that nobody actually even sees on TV. Yeah, more times and, and again, it's, 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 a, it's a confusing message. And all it did was basically give a president of the United States an issue he thinks is a win and a shoe company that's accused of human rights abuses a marketing campaign. That's basically what they accomplished. Um, you're far too reasonable uh, in thinking about this, that there's actually, you know, uh, there, there's reasonable debates from both sides. There's reasonable um, discussion on both sides. That's the thing that's bothered me about this from the get-go is, you know, it, don't you understand that people are, they, that your message that you're trying to get through is being masked by the means in which you're yes. trying to get the message through. To your point, communication. If you, if you, if your message isn't being communicating communicated well, that's on you. Yes. And so there were so many other ways to sort of get that message out um, for Colin Kaepernick and all of the players since. And at the same time, um, you know, if, if you're a reasonable person. Okay, I understand what your message is. By the way, I, I knew about this. It's a big news story at least a half dozen times a year. By the way, last night in Dallas. Yes. Or recently in Dallas. Yes. Another example of it, potentially. And But don't you understand that if you do this, there are people out there that this particular anthem and the way in which you're trying to bring, uh, you know, sort of attention to this issue 
is it's a distraction to them. They can't get through the the lack of patriotism, the lack of nationalism in their own mind from their own perspective, which is not unreasonable. No. It's not an unreasonable perspective. It doesn't perspective. mean you're a bigot. It, it doesn't, doesn't mean, mean you're, you're racist. racist. It doesn't mean you're a perspective. If, if somebody uh, doesn't respect the anthem or the flag, and that's the perception of it, it doesn't make it racist, just like... The people who are trying to bring attention to this very serious issue, there is a reasonable understanding of what they're trying to communicate. But to, to your point, it hasn't been communicated well because the message has been totally masked by the way in which they've tried to bring attention to it, which is why your point of why not bringing it up, bring it up during the week. You've got multiple reporters in your locker room. Why not making it an issue during the week where a columnist could write something about player X and his feelings yeah. about the way young African-American men are be, being treated by in, police. Instead of hiding in the trainer's room and not talking to reporters, say something. Yeah. The, the other thing, too, two things. One, on Kaepernick. I don't have any problem. I don't believe it's collusion. Maybe you do. I don't think it's intentional collusion. I think it's one-off business relation, uh, business decisions. You know, if you don't believe he's a starting quarterback for you on your team, which, by the way, he's not one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the league, you can easily make that case. I think it's harder to make the case that he's not one of the best 64. I do think he's good enough to be a backup quarterback in the NFL. But if you are a standalone NFL team and you have to make the decision of signing him to be a backup quarterback, knowing what that means from a business perspective, whether it's right or wrong, we've already gone through that. Right. It's part of the discussion. Many people are think many people think it's wrong and so it could impact your business in a negative way. Why would you do it? Like you always say, the juice has to be worth the squeezing. And in this particular case, I don't know why it would be, especially in many NFL markets. You know, the demographics of every NFL market are different. You know, the, the, it's, it's Kansas City is going to be different than New York. Uh, you know, uh, St. Louis, Louis isn't an NFL market anymore. Uh, Minneapolis Houston, is going to be different Houston's than Miami. going to be different than Miami. Right. So, you know, every team, I don't personally believe it's been league-wide owner collusion. Do you? I don't know. I could tell you another thing about the the to bring back the the uh, pig socks that Kaepernick wore. I think that's more of an issue. That has been more of an issue for the NFL teams than than the anthem. And I'll tell you why. Because police, all, yes, because all these teams have to do business with police every Sunday from a security standpoint. Yes, they have they have to they have to employ these police departments. They have to work with these police departments, and they haven't forgot. Because the FOP, the National Fraternal Order of Police, issued a statement in reaction to the Nike campaign that included the words, uh, he basically that included the reference to pigs that, that Kaepernick made. They have not Wait, forgotten. Wait, say that again. That was a recent thing from the... That, no, it's the Fraternal Order of Police. Right. The, the National Police Union. Big union. Basically said, issued a statement in reaction to the Nike campaign for Kaepernick that included in their statement a reference to Kaepernick wearing the pig socks. That was two years ago. They haven't forgotten that. And I think that, I think any team that signs him is going to have a real problem with their local police department, whether right or wrong, that's going to be a problem. And this gets to sort of the business of these decisions. And they're not the only union. They're, they're, not, they're not the only group that the NFL may actually fear sort of losing. With that, all that said, okay, the NFL has handled this so poorly. Oh, 
Uh, the fact that they Terribly. put out this policy, so-called policy, it was a faux policy, and they've backed off it. The disorganization on this issue from the jump is really, it's, it's an illustration of how this, com- this particular commissioner has no sense, no public relations sense whatsoever. He hasn't in so many issues, whether it was the Tom Brady deflate gate thing, whether it was Ray Rice, he misses the boat on public relations at every opportunity. He does in but I'm going to give him this I'm going to give him this amount of rope. On an issue like this, it's too complex. It's it's too difficult to rein in all your owners. You know, some of who are very close to Donald Trump. Like I like Stephen Ross is very close to Donald Trump, the owner of of, of the Dolphins. Jerry Jones is close to Donald Trump. And and Goodell is not Tagliabu or Roselle, where basically he can command the owners. It's the other way around. So even if Goodell wanted to do something to uh, on this issue, I don't think he could rein in all the owners. I think, look, right here in Washington, Dan Snyder, according to a big ESPN story about a year ago, complained about the issue for him here with so many Defense Department uh People in the Washington area, so many military people who are fans. It's a partic- more particular issue for him here than it is anywhere else. So I just don't think I'm trying to defend him that it would be difficult to reign. He doesn't have the level of respect to force the owners to do the right thing. I don't think it's been an easy decision. I don't think it's been an easy issue. I think it's very complex. With that said, there's been no decisiveness on this issue, and there's been a lot of waffling. On the issue that that's not a good direction to head in, and perhaps you're right. It's been because of sort of the the management of these 32 different owners and personalities and agendas, and and maybe that's a reason. But they should have been on this from the get go. You know, free speech does not mean free of consequence, and that should have been somehow communicated to all of these players by all of these owners from the very beginning. Um, I don't think they saw it coming. And by the way, when I say they didn't see it coming, I don't even know what we're really talking about in terms of seeing it coming. Because you know what? Last year, if you recall, when the weather got colder and the games got bigger, the ratings started to climb again. And some of the highest rated games in recent memory were last year. You had a preseason game this year that was the highest rated preseason game on Fox in years. Now, I know the Thursday night game was down 13% in the TV ratings, the the Eagles-Falcons game. But it was also delayed by an hour, which meant that it ended much later on the East Coast. There were a lot of potential reasons there. I, I guess my point is, ultimately... I don't I think still the significant majority use the NFL as a life diversion and they don't care about the anthem issue at all. I think you're right. That was fun today. It was you know what? Let's do it again Thursday. Let's do it again every Tuesday all right. and Thursday. Okay. Um catch Tommy tomorrow on the fan and then Saturday morning with Andy. Tommy and I are going to do this every Tuesday and Thursday, um, hopefully forever, and maybe it'll just increase by days. But that's going to be partly up to him because he's the one that left the show two and a half years ago. Yeah, listen to this. You'll get that that story someday. (laughs) Oh, oh, really? Oh, really? Is there going to be a book? Um, I enjoyed this. It was so much fun. I'll see you on Thursday. Same here, boss. Thanks to Mark Stern. Thanks to Aaron Oster. Am I allowed to thank Aaron yet? Uh, thanks to Paul Gorgie who showed up and is going to try to sell this thing. If you're interested, uh, contact me on Twitter. Uh, interested, by the way, in spending money on this <laughs> podcast. That's what we want to find out from advertisers. 
all around town. Back tomorrow. Uh, it's the Kevin Sheehan Show, but really it's a Sports Fix Tuesday. Go to the KevinSheehanShow.com website. You can listen to any of the past episodes.